And welcome to episode 64 of the Two Indie Authors with me, Robert Enright. And me, David B. Lyons. On today's show, we have invited children's book author Alice G. May to the podcast to talk about how authors can book gigs at, as speakers at events, which is a really interesting topic and one we have often heard mentioned in author communities. Mm -hmm. Halfway through the show, we will be answering a mailbag question sent in um, by one of you gorgeous listeners about writing memoirs. And that's all before Richard Slater-Jones joins us from the Italian capital to face our seven questions. We're going around the world again, Rob. Mm, Global, Um, baby. We're going global. Episode 64. Um... Well, we should begin, as we always do, Rob, by discussing the week that was. So how have the last seven days been for you as an independent author? They have been. I've had some incredible highs. And then I've also had some of those slaps in the face that life hand you from time to uh-uh. time. Um, don't worry, I'm not going to panic anyone. It's not. It's nothing It's nothing too serious. Um, but biggest one is I, I launched Blood Money, which is Sam Pope 13 last friday best launch i've had so far um brilliant best pre-order i've had so far which is incredible considering it's book 13 um but again i always look at the data and all that stuff and it just underlines the the kind of business plan i have um you know that my my 13th book is my most pre-ordered of all time that's pretty good read through um quite a cool thing it went to number one new release in its um in a couple of its genres or a couple of its categories on amazon I, i've Great. had the night shift the first sampo book has basically been pinned as number one since 20 the end of 2023 ah. i think Great. i think i've got a prime deal going on at the moment or something that's helping it but essentially that book's been sat at number one for about nearly four weeks and Brilliant. i had that at number one and blood money at number two which was quite a cool i took a picture Get of it a, saying, like, yeah they're hand in hand at the moment um great so but also you know we 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 openly talk about money on here like the amount it's made in its first week has been eye-watering for me um nice but um yeah so that's been really good and it's allowed me to take a sort of a step back this week um really start plotting and planning the next jack townsend book um got a few intricate plot points that i've managed to weave in now and um Great. i think this is going to be if i can land this one based on how well the first one's gone down i think by the time i go around to doing the third i start i think the momentum of that series will start picking up um yeah because i i i just think it's just a good idea. I'm going to pat myself on the back creatively for this right. one. Um, so, yeah, so like I said, major highs. Um, slight lows is last Thursday after we recorded this podcast, I kind of had my lunch and 
I sat down and I went, right, time to do all my planning because tomorrow is launch day and I get a phone call from nursery saying my little girl has been projectile vomiting. And I was like, oh, for fuck's oh, sake. No. Because as you know, oh. she, she, it's like the third time since just before Christmas that she's had to be off nursery ill. It's that age, yeah. And it, it's just, yeah, they're just breeding grounds for germs at nurseries. And it's obviously, it's been freezing cold. There's so many bugs. Immune systems are low. I get it. But I was just like, oh, yeah. my God. Like, I've just... I keep having these stop start weeks because of it. Um, but at the same time, this is the beauty of, you know, the position we've been able to get in is that I don't then need to tell my boss for the third time in four weeks, I've got to go home and pick up my kid because I've been yes. in situations where other people have done that at workplaces. And, you know, it start people start getting suspicious saying like, oh, they're just trying to get out of work and stuff. So, yeah. Um, so I said, she's fine. She's she's she had a bit of a dodgy tummy over the weekend. Lovely. She gave it to me. So when I was at nice. the uh, Bring Me the Horizon concert, I was a trying to not uh, crap my pants and b not pass <laughs> out. Um, but I did get to see my favorite band play my favorite songs, which was um, a lovely Great. weekend. And we're all on the men now. We're all fine. So like I lovely. said, massive highs, some pretty uh, stinky lows, <laughs> and. Um, <laughs> Uh, hopefully just press on now with the new book and all that stuff so that's me how about you david how has how's your last seven days been mate well funny enough uh snap uh some highs and lows and the lows are very much the same i um am at home with my little one today well i'm always at home but she's home with me today and she can't go into school and you and i were supposed to be meeting um, and now we can't meet. And mm. but then again, as you say, there there's the beauty of the autonomy of owning your own time. And I don't have to ring anybody now and say, sorry, but my daughter's ill. Mm-hmm. I can't go into work today. Um, I had to text you this morning to say, unfortunately, we won't be able to meet Lola's home. She's got, I think she's got strep throat. Oh, bless her. Um, which is a bit of a, a pain in the throat. And um, <laughs> But yeah, that, there again, again, that autonomy, owning your own time and owning your own business. Uh, it, it, we're so fortunate in that regard when 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 uh, bad things like this crop up, which they do in the mm-hmm. winter. As you, you've been through three or four illnesses in the last month, uh, we're we're pretty similar. Um, but I turned my ads back on a couple of weeks ago. Oh yeah, of course your new ads, business wise, and it's still. I think I'm selling hotter than I have sold in a long time. Well, it was the first time I gave care and attention to my ads, if you mm. know what I mean. Um, for a long time because I was getting so co- I was so complacent throughout the whole of 2023 is um, um so David just quickly is that is it hotter sales on Amazon or wide because obviously you're now wide yeah I haven't run any ads wide I've picked up 22 sales wide so I haven't really done much there um whereas Amazon I'm selling uh, about 70 or 80 books a day lovely and um, for the past couple of weeks and it's Predominantly Betsy, because I'm only advertising that with the hope then that mm-hmm. I'll get the, the through, uh, inspired by you and other series writers. So it's nice to see that number of sales sort of clock up again, because it's been a while um, that I've seen ads actually working. Fantastic. Uh, I seem to be, um, I mean, I set up about 15 ads and I've turned off maybe eight of them. Which mm-hmm. means the still a good seven of them are actually, you know, after spending ten pounds a day, they're they're working. So it's nice to see the sales picking back up again. And what's even nicer for me now is to after a while of the good few months actually of thinking, Where's the fucking read through? What's going on here? <laughs> um 
it, it's taken its time, but you can see it now. Yeah, it's a long game. I don't know about a hundred people buy Betsy Blake, and I expect okay, well, well, the ratio should be high because it's a really good book, and people will want to see it, want to move on to the sequel. I think why are only ten or twenty percent of people buying, and then suddenly you sort of see it months after months because I guess. What it is, is is people might buy Betsy Blake, but it doesn't mean they're going to read it that day or, mm-hmm. you know, that week. That, and so I can, I can see it now. It's taken a while, but now I can see the churn actually happening. Where And be, between book one and book two, there's a big gap in terms of yeah. percentage of what we read. But book two, three, and then three to four, that seems to be like 90%. Once you, once you read book two, you're, you're going all the way through. But it's trying to find those from book one and the leap into book two is when they finish it. And of course, we've been through this on the podcast. That's sold nearly 200,000 books now. Yeah. Whereas the follow-up has only sold 8,000. And I'm, I, so I, I'm, I'm, I've been chugging and chugging and, and waiting for this follow-through. Do you think through, but it might be like genre-wise? Because I know a lot of psychological yeah. thrillers. I know we're going Absolutely. off a bit of a tangent from our week that was, but it's our podcast. <laughs> we do what we want. Um but I do know, like, so my mother-in-law's massive psychological thriller reader. She'll just yeah. buy loads of books when they're, like, on on deals and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, she's in her 70s. She, she spends her money how she yeah. wants. Um, but she'll, she'll buy loads when they're on deals because she likes to look at them. And I think a lot of maybe psychological readers kind of do that. They go, oh, that looks good. Yeah. Whereas I think with my one, like an action genre or a police you procedural dra- dra- um, uh, drama, you would kind of be like, Right, I'll give this one a go. I'll re- I'll buy it, read it. And usually they're the kind of genres that pull people in and go, right, I want the next one, I want the next one, I want the next one. Yeah. So I think yes, it so... might be a bit genre specific to like how quickly people will go through a series, if that makes sense. You're so right, because I don't re- read series, but I will read psychological uh, standalone. Um, and what I found is I think the, the 180,000 books or so that I sold originally on that, and I'm trying to find that audience again, they're not converting or else, or, or they don't know about it. But then again, they read it once off. That's all they thought they were reading. Um, but now that I'm advertising it as a series or a first in series, I'm, I'm, I can really see the, the read-throughs churning now and have done in the new year. So yeah, like you, highs and lows. Um, but that is the week as an independent author, I guess. Yeah, and I I, um, I think I speak for all of our listeners when we uh, wish your little girl a speedy recovery. And yours too. Thanks, Amir. Okay, Rob, as mentioned in our own introduction there, we are going to be taking a deep dive into speaking at author events. And we are very lucky that we have a friend of the show, Alice G. May, here to join us to talk us through the process. Alice, thank you so much for giving us more of your time, uh, more of your time to the Two Indie Authors podcast. Oh, you're very welcome. It's lovely to be chatting with you again. Oh, yeah. Well, Thank you for having me. No, it's, it's, it's our privilege. Uh, Alice, uh, of course, you, you're a fantastic uh, children's author. You've been on the show before answering the seven questions. Um, we know you've mm-hmm. also been quite successful at um, speaking at author events, and, and you've been around that block a few times. Um, so we're going to uh, pose questions to you on, on how authors can sort of build the confidence, perhaps, to apply to, to be or to speak at these events. I just thought I'd I'd, I'd start um, the interview off, though, Alice, by asking you, are there enough events um, for authors to speak at? Um, there are more than you would think, ah. um, to be quite frank. Uh, and when I set out 
uh, on the whole public speaking route, I pretty much thought, you know, you'd be speaking at literary festivals or you might be in schools or libraries and, and kind of thought that was it. But um, actually, over the years, I've realised there are loads and loads. Um, so if you are just starting out, I would say it's really unlikely that you're going to get a spot at a literary festival, particularly one of the big ones. Yeah. Um, unless you've got an incredible PR team and a top publishing house behind you. Uh, I'm not yeah. suggesting that you wouldn't be very good at it, but, you know, those spots do tend to be highly sought after. Yeah. But there are a whole other range um, from those sort of big events down to really quite small ones. Um, and, of course, the main reason to speak at any event is to just get in front of potential readers. Yeah. Um, uh, because there are other reasons. You know, you might want to build your profile. You might want to drive people to your website or your social media. But let's face it, we want to sell books, don't we? Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's it's really worth thinking about your demographic. You know, who's your customer? Who is likely to want to read your book? And then ask yourself, uh, where are they going to be? Where are you going to find them? Um, and so there are all sorts of events that um, at all sorts of places, like, for example, uh, local clubs and social groups. Um, it might be writing groups, book clubs, uh, the Women's Institute, uh, the Towns Women's Guild. I found both of those are incredible places to actually go and speak. It's great. It's a great experience. And they all buy the book. It's fantastic. Um, but there's obviously progress. There's round table. Um, I've spoken at sailing clubs, bowling clubs, believe it or not, the local medical and dental society. Oh, wow. They paid me so well to go and talk for them. And then they all bought the book, which is great. Um <laughs> There's things like the Live, Laugh, Love Ladies Club. That's a franchise where people sort of meet up for lunch and dinners and they like speakers. A lot of clubs and social events out there will like speakers uh, and they will have a budget to pay a speaker um, as well. But, you know, we can come on to budgets a bit later if you like. Um, if you've if you've written, written a, a business book, I would suggest maybe there are networking groups that would be interested in hearing from you um, and other sort of business-related uh, clubs. Uh, and obviously, with the children's books, schools and libraries mm -hmm. are are pretty much the best place to go to, to groups of children. Because, of course, when you're speaking with children, you've got to worry about your DBS and your, you know, there's all the safeguarding around that side of things. Yeah. Um, but obviously, then that that's more of the sort of smaller local events that you can go to. But then, of course, you, you can build on that. And there are all sorts of writing festivals now rather than literary festivals. So you can get mm. out to, to talk to other writers as well or people who are aspiring writers. And um, there's things like wellbeing festivals. You know, if you, if you write a book on wellbeing, <laughs> yeah. you can go to one of those. Um, so online or in person, there's an awful lot out there. And I think if you're prepared to be knocked back um, and just keep putting yourself out there, you will eventually build up a great portfolio as a speaker. Wow. Wow. I mean, I, I remember um, after you joined us for the seven questions and I turned to David, I got obviously across across the uh, podcast and I was like, I blew my mind there because we're, we're very much, um, you know, a digital first businesses. Both David and myself, we, we earn most of our crust through digital sales um, or paperback sales online. And like for me, it's never been sort of about sorting out going to do that face-to-face -face part of it which is a bit weird because i'm quite extroverted i'm quite like a chat i'm quite bubbly um i i, I quite like talking that's why we started a podcast <laughs> in the first place um and just listening you know just hearing you then like listing all these potential ways you could get these events you can get these speaking gigs you can get your name and your voice out there um 
It's fascinating. Like, straight off the top of my yeah. mind, you said about 10 things that I wouldn't even think about. Yeah. Um, and as always with this sort of indie author career, people could get overloaded quite quickly with the possibilities um, or like an avalanche of information. So say I'm starting from scratch and I'm, I, I want to kind of dip my toe in. I, I write like action fiction, but I want to dip my toe in. So it doesn't matter what genre you're in. What would be your sort of tips or your process, so to speak, for an author who kind of wants to start the process of like finding their events that they could possibly talk at? Okay. Um, I would think about your local area. I mean, I see I see absolutely what you mean about the online marketing. That's fantastic. You know, that is definitely a great way to get your books out there and to get sales. Um, but I do think if you can if you can dovetail that with public speaking as well, then realistically you're going to, you know, really sort of build quite a, a, a good foundation then to really springboard uh, off and away. Right. Um, I mean, I, I would, uh, for example, you could ask um, local friends and family uh, if they know about local clubs where, you know, there might be a writer's group, there might be a, sort of a small scale thing, I would think. If, if you're nervous about public speaking, I, I don't know if you are, Rob, but a lot of people are if they haven't done mm. it before. Yeah. Um, it's quite nice to start with a club where there's no real expectation that sort of maybe they're not paying you, so therefore there's less pressure. Um, and, and it can be quite nice to, to do it that way. You can go to local community centres and see what's on the notice board. Uh, they should tell you what all the local groups are. Um, and then I would suggest that you maybe make contact with the groups and, and ask them, you know, are they looking for a speaker? And if they were looking for a speaker, what would they be looking for? How long would you be speaking for? Um, you know, what what sort of group you would be talking to? So it, I think it's an important um, important idea to go to um, to know where you're going and to know yeah. what they're expecting, I think. And then everyone can feel comfortable with the transaction. Um, yeah. Does that answer your question? It does. Yeah. That's, it, it, sorry, Rob, you asked. It really does. Yeah. No, no, I was going to say, sorry, I was going to say, it really does answer my question because I was actually transported a little back then to, to my previous bef uh, life before I was a full time author where I worked in a corporate um, setting. And I'd have to go and do a lot of presenting of data and analytics to quite senior managers who literally just want to know the answer to questions and they don't want any fuss. And I remember a big skill I had to learn quite quickly was understanding, sort of like what you said then, of understanding how long am I expected to speak for? What am I going to be speaking about? And finding that out was key for me to develop and get better at doing that side of the job then so would you say that would be kind of like a real key process for yeah and for I would an say it's a, a brilliant transferable skill to have there you know if you've done it before yeah. um but you just need to have a real think about how it would relate to your book and what aspect of your book you can bring forwards really um i mean another way to to think about finding places is to obviously look online um, so mm. there's social media and websites and things and you can listen out on the radio your local radio and hospital radio always talk about upcoming events which which is great um, so you can always find out a lot more that way um, one of the other ways that I found um, which I wasn't expecting to find this sort of information was I used to subscribe to newsletters for things like uh, local writing events and local um, 
festivals and things. And you'd be amazed how um, sometimes these events, they'll send out an appeal for speakers beforehand, about six months before they start putting their programme together. Ah. And they'll say who they're looking for, you know, what sort of things they're looking for and what they'd like to be able to put out for their um, their, their um, delegates. And that gives you a chance then to actually put a pitch together uh, and also obviously work out what the expectation level is um, and then yeah. respond to their call to arms that they've sent out. So that gives you an added sort of legitimacy um, that you you know what they're expecting and you can offer it. Do you see what I mean? That's correct. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Yeah, that makes so much sense. Uh, and I guess, yeah. Alice, the, the local club and the local bookshop are probably actually um, excited to perhaps get um, an idea from an author saying, I would like to speak for a half an hour at such and such an event or at your bookstore. Um, we shouldn't assume that these are sort of closed off uh, no, I, I wouldn't assume that at all. No, I, I would say there's no harm in asking, is there really? Exactly. Um, and it, it may be a no for now, but it may not be a complete no. It might be a, well, we can't do it at the moment, but it's something we'd like to do. Can we have your details? Do you know what I mean? And then they'll, they'll get back to you. And you've um, already opened line of communication at that point. Absolutely, yes. And and for everyone who says no, there will be someone out there who says yes. You just have to, to mm. grow a bit of a thick skin. But then as an author, I think you have to grow a thick skin anyway, don't you? Because yeah, absolutely. For every great review you get, you occasionally get the odd sort of one star where someone just hasn't got the book, you know? Oh, yeah. We uh -huh. definitely need that thick skin, all right. Um, <laughs> Your creator has got a big haven't you? So true. So that's great. So for somebody starting out, they might think about their local bookstore or their local um, writing community. Um, yeah, the library is another good place and as the well, library, by the way. Yeah, and we all have a local library, or we should, hopefully. You never know with this uh, current government <laughs> running things the way they are. I do see libraries shutting down all over the shop. But um, I think, okay, I think I could probably do that. I could talk at my local library or my local bookstore. I guess there's no point in, in emailing them or turning up on their doorstep saying, I'm an author, I can speak for half an hour. You would want to approach them perhaps with an idea. I'm an author who would like to speak about, you know, um, the, you know, the arc of a main character or I want to talk about the unreliable narrator. You will have a lesson or a, a, a topic in mind, right, when you're approaching these guys. So I guess my next question is that is I found out that my library might take an author for a half an hour talk. How would I approach them? What is in my pitch? Oh, how would you put a pitch together? Yeah. Well, it's it's very like writing, I don't know, you know, when you sort of submit to agents or publishing houses and, and whatnot, you know, you have to put your pitch together for your book. Yeah. Uh, you need to put your pitch together for your talk. So you're going to need a hook. Uh, you're going to need to be able to get it across quite quickly. Um, I mean, I've, I've gone into, for example, uh, quite a few libraries and I've had a very mixed response. Um, usually they're incredibly busy. They're usually really lovely, but they've usually decided no before you've even got your first sentence out. So, you know, you kind of have to uh, be prepared for the fact that actually, do you know what, you might not get very far. Um, but if you can come away with the name of the person who organises the events, then you can email that person separately. So by actually turning up to the library and seeing the lady on the desk, she may not necessarily be the person who makes the decisions anyway. She's probably thinking, oh my goodness, here comes an author. They're going to expect me to accept that book. <laughs> and they can't do that with all of the, the books that come in. So um, 
So I think realistically, if you come to it from a sideways angle and you say, you know, I, I, I'm not asking you to guarantee me a spot, just could you let me know how does it work with your library? Who do I need to speak to about events? Um, and then take it from there, really. Brilliant. I think that's, that's, that's a really, really good um, point. I love the idea of kind of going in not expecting, you know, to walk away with... with um, a booking straight away um, because I think one of the things I think David you could probably you'll probably agree with me I don't want to talk for you here but one of the things we've kind of seen probably over the was it 15 months or so now we've been doing this podcast is there's quite a lot of expectation I think that a lot of authors especially indie authors yeah. have and it probably <clears throat> I don't say you know it doesn't help you know when doing yeah listening to David and I talking about making all these sales or or you know doing it full time, you know we're just showing the art of the possible. But I think you know sometimes some people go and go well those guys are selling loads of books why am I not? Oh those people like Alice is doing all these speaking events it must be as easy as anything to sort of walk in and just get a booking. And I think you know understanding you know all the hard work that everyone's put into the kind of get the opportunities they have is a real key thing people should understand. Um, I do like um, what you're saying of the idea of, you know, understanding what you want to talk about before you approach these places. So you're not just saying, I'm an author. Obviously, people want to listen to me (laughs) because they don't have a clue who you are, right? But if, if you don't have that idea of what to talk about or you're not sure what you could offer does that mean people shouldn't be applying for these events or do you have like any tips of kind of going through the weeds and figuring out what it is you could offer someone in like a half hour talk say yeah, definitely. I mean, certainly when I was first approached, um, uh, my local WI asked me because they they didn't have a speaker. They knew someone was cancelling and it was a friend of mine and she said, I'm desperate. I need someone to speak. And I was thinking, well, what do I talk about? You know, um, mm. it is quite difficult to know how to do that. And I think, I mean, I, I did wing it and I was lucky it, it worked. I mean, I was lucky I had something quite interesting to talk about and and you know I didn't really have to find a hook um so that that was quite good that was all about my house falling down and why I got into writing so many people are interested in why people write and mm. how they write um any quirks about how they go about it do you, you know do they write in a cave up a mountain for you know three months <laughs> a year and then rejoin the rest of society I, I mean I don't know uh, but people like to know about the process um yes. and the inspiration behind it um um sorry can you remind me the question sorry it it was just it was sort of like if 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 you don't have that um topic of discussion that you can offer up to say so if you was approaching a library and saying i'm going to talk about facebook marketing for independent authors or something like that yes yes yes. if you if you didn't have one would that make you think you shouldn't be doing it or are there ways that you can sort of figure out a, a good you know, series of topics to maybe approach people yeah. with. Sorry, yes, I'm I'm back on track now. Sorry, I have a completely <laughs> brain. Um, yeah, I would I would suggest the thing to do actually is to go to events and listen to other authors, see what yeah. they're offering. 
um, and see how the audience interacts with that. And um, because obviously we have such a wide diverse of genres of books that we we might be trying to sell. So you don't want to be talking about really the wrong thing to the wrong people because that just wastes everybody's time. Um, I, I, and I think also um, if you're thinking about trying to get a uh, an event, it's important not to necessarily think about what you want to talk about. It's important mm. to think about what they want to hear. Great tip, yeah. And that will very much depend on what event uh, you are approaching. Um, and if you flip it on its head, if you can think about what the speaker secretary setting up the event um, is going to want and then try and give them that, uh, I think you're more likely to end up with a speaking spot. Great. So, for example, um, uh, there's uh, there's been a couple of writing festivals recently that uh, I've been approaching, um, and having recently actually I've, I've volunteered at festivals myself, so I've done quite a lot of organising. So I know what happens behind the scenes. Um, so I tend to know that the speaker secretary wants whoever's going to turn up to actually you know do what they say they're going to do. Um, they want to be. Uh, you will want them to give. The speaker needs to give the audience something that the audience wants to hear. So it's yeah. about what can you give to them? Um, like, for example, when I talk about public speaking, I will go in and I will make sure I give people lots of really easy tips uh, to take away with them so that if they want to do it, that they actually could actually feel that they could start doing it. Do you know what I mean? Lovely. Uh, yes. That aspect of it is, is really important. And then if you are approaching it from that professional point of view, your speaker secretary is more likely then to book you and think about booking you in the future as well. That's amazing. I mean, it is common sense, but it's amazing sense, Alice. It's, it's not about you. It's about what can you offer this festival or this talk or the audience of this talk. So that that's the that's the one key message for um for authors to think about when when they they are uh, thinking of their topic, and it's great advice. I mean, you've given so a wealth of advice already, but I guess it's a bit like any profession in a sense that start small, Alice, and um, your local library perhaps or the local bookstore, and 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 then there's no point in in looking at authors speaking at the you know London Book Fair and thinking I should be on that stage I've got an idea for that stage <laughs> if you if you build up you know from your local community to the local right do a local workshop and, and and then perhaps if you have a bit of a CV behind you of speaking gigs well then perhaps the London you can work up towards the London Book Festival you absolutely can and there is absolutely no reason why you can't do that um, it doesn't matter how small the events are that you do People will see you at them and you're going to build up a, a, um, a history of talks. Um, so you will maybe have uh, referrals from people who think you're brilliant and they've recommended you on. Great. You never know who's actually going to be there. Um, because, uh, and I actually, I would also say it's not necessarily about the book sales at the event. Yeah. It can be about networking with people. Um mm. And, and I, meant, I did mention that I volunteered at a couple of writing festivals before I started speaking at them. And that's a really good way of finding out how things work and who is who. I mean, I, I used to um, chaperone the speakers and I used to help with all the legal paperwork involved and make sure people had coffee and I was running around and just doing general helpful things. Yeah. But I also found out who was who. And who I needed to talk to, and you know, basically schmooze for for yeah. a spot next year. Um, so it, you know, there's all sorts of things going a on, lot of not networking just the speaking. Yeah. yeah. So, 
So just just to to go um, on to your point there, um, I have a friend who started up his own podcast a year or so ago. David, you know about this? I appeared on it. He's doing like a financial education podcast where he talks about how you can kind of make side businesses or other things. Like he talks about how to manage money, and because he was in loads of debt, and then he got himself out of it, and now he's really. Um, like on it when it comes to like investing and businesses and stuff like that but where he started off he started off with a podcast and then he started off attending small talks about financial education and i followed him because he's um my friend's uh my wife's friend's partner and he started going to more and more of these events i could see it on his social media and then from these events the more he did the more he networked and then he started to get in the rooms with slightly more influential like people and now he's he's posted on his social media he's got articles like in national newspapers he's had some like really massive financial people in the uk like on his podcasts and stuff like that and it's his following has just snowballed and it all started off from him a gambling on himself with his podcast of you know starting to talk about his journey what he'd been through but then when we're talking about the networking thing, he got out there to these smaller events just to be in the room with people. Like I said, just to, you start to know who's who. And then he started to bump into the same people on these networks that opened other doors for him. And now he has opportunities. Like he's, he's now building a full business out of his brand from doing it. And literally it all came from him going off and doing public speaking. He's doing a great job. And I think it, it's it's about playing a long game as well, and I think that's probably mm-hmm. what he was doing because you never know what the trigger's going to be for the snowball to start rolling down the hill. Exactly. Um, and I yeah. just think you should be open to it, really. And unless you put yourself out there, it's not going to happen. I mean, I would mm-hmm. still say, you know, word of caution, though, obviously don't throw yourself out to events without doing your research beforehand. Yeah, yeah. Because not everything on the internet is what it seems. And like, yeah. you necessarily go on a date without you know, having a, um, a backup plan to get out if you need to, you know, you do need to, <laughs> you know, but I've never, I've not had it, ever had a problem at an event. I've never turned up somewhere and realised that it was a scam, but, oh, great. but yeah. you know, have it in the back of your mind. That <laughs> Lovely. And on the internet, you know. Speaking of that, um, <laughs> I had a speaking of finances or even scams, um, I, I guess our, our listeners will want to know this. Do talking events pay well? Um, I'd love to say, yes, absolutely. They all pay brilliantly. Um, I would be lying at that point. Um, Yeah, the answer is some do and some don't. Yeah. Um, And you'd be surprised that some of the smaller events actually do pay reasonably. You know, Uh, I mean, if you're turning up at a social event um, for, you know, you might speak for about 40 minutes and then do about 10 minutes of questions, you could potentially be paid between 50 and 150 pounds for that. And if it's only just down the road and then you sell books, you know, it's quite well, nice. Mm, yeah. Evening, yeah, evening speaking events could be several hundred. Um, when I worked as a librarian, I used to book uh, lots of children's authors to come in for World Book Day. And a standard um, payment for that for the day would be about five hundred pounds, ah. um, which sounds like a lot of money, but actually it's exhausting. But you tend mm-hmm. to get turned through class after class after class, and by the end of the day, you are sort of, you know, sort You've of crawling <laughs> out of the school. Um, they're great fun; they are absolutely great fun. Um, so, it, yes, some pay really well and some don't, but a lot of events 
don't actually pay. And as a creative, I hate to suggest that a creative should not be paid for their work. But again, it's the long game. If you can uh, cut your teeth on some of these events that don't necessarily pay, it won't be long before you can take that step on um, to pay. It's kind of it's, events. it's similar to the model of how a lot of indie authors sell their books is, you know, give that first one away for free and let's, you know, let's mm. build our audience here. And then and then you can take step by step into the areas where, you know, these events, hopefully, if, if you prove to be good enough and you like it, that you may get paid to uh, appear at these events. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and there's another aspect as well um, to it. I would suggest that, you know, keep a list of where you've been. Obviously, be careful about GDPR and, and privacy and whatnot, people's details. Um, but keep a list of where you've been, where you've spoken uh, and how it went. How did they treat you? Um, because actually, you may have another book in 18 months that you want to promote and you can send mm-hmm. an email out to those people and say, well, would you like me to come back? You right. know, I've, I've got another a talk that I can offer. And, and you can actually end up, I mean, I'm booked up into um, uh, 2026 at the moment. Um, oh, wow. With, you know, I'm glad we got you on. For the, for the... <laughs> well, you know, I always come and chat to you guys. Um, but but it's, you know, it's quite nice to be able to have those, those regular events booked in. And it's yeah. worth keeping a note of... Oh, I say it's not about book sales, but do keep a note of where you sell mm. what, because that's also really great information. If you ever did want to approach an agent or a publishing house about a future book for a traditional contract, you can say, look, I understand the business side of this. This is how I'm selling my books. This is the sort of sales um pitch program that I've got. This, these are all the events I've got booked in. And they will take you seriously as a, a business proposition rather than necessarily just one of the other writers that's submitting manuscripts. Yeah. Oh, well, you're talking to my heart here. You're talking about, you know, going through the business side of things, keep tracking data, using data. Die. <laughs> this is music to my ears. Um, and I'll tell you what, this has been such a fascinating look at author events it's something david and i have spoken about many times that we'd like to start doing more of um given you know both being full-time both being in this for you know a good half a decade now and with some success and also now with this podcast where we're you know going into the back end of the indie author um business and the industry and stuff so there are things i think you know david and i've mentioned before about we could probably do a talk on this or you know we could probably go on this podcast or go to this event and then we we'd have something to say but um going through all the you know the points you've put out today makes it so fascinating and quite an exciting venture i think for authors to do especially when we always talk about um you know, the independent side of being an indie author is you're kind of isolated. Um, so getting out there and getting your voice out there could be a really fun and social element of it. Um, like I said, you've had so so many good points and so much advice. But before we let you go, what's sort of the one tip you would give to our listeners? Say if they did have a topic and they do have a unique voice, what would be their one tip if they wanted to take that and talk at author events and conferences uh well i I mean i can give you the tip that i was given when i was sorting uh starting out i had had basically gone to a business networking 
event and I had no idea why I was there. I don't even know why I went. I think I was so, you know how isolated you get. I just needed to talk to people and there was this this mm-hmm. thing that flashed up and it was it was a very local event for women in business in the New Forest where I live. And I went along. I knew there was coffee and cake that was going to be there. So I went along. <laughs> um, and at this networking event, you know, I ha- we had to all stand up and do a one minute pitch about ourselves, which was, you know, um, excruciatingly painful for me because I really didn't know what I was doing. Uh, but it was, again, very useful for meeting people. Um, but actually, I, I met a lady there who was a voice coach, and she does talk to people about learning how to speak in public. And after talking to me for four or five minutes, she just said, you know what your problem is? You need to get out of your own way. Mm. And basically, what she was saying was, get over yourself. It's not about you. It's about what you can offer. Yes. Um, so, so you need to be thinking about that, really. And I guess that would be my biggest tip to any creator. I mean, as we writers, we do tend to overthink things and we do <laughs> tend to hide away behind the keyboard. Um, and actually, do you know what? Unless you get out there and shout about yourself, not many other people will shout about you unless you know you give them something to to shout about and to do that you've got to reach out so ultimately yeah that would be my tip get out of your own way and um and get on with it because it's great fun it really is it's uh, you make it sound wow. great fun. You, I, I can also see why you're such a hit uh, on the talking circuit, Alice. Alice G May, incredible poetic uh, voice um, and really, really wise words all the way through, Alice. Um, we really appreciate you being on the podcast for a second time. We've had your your seven questions before. Uh, thanks so much um, for being a friend of the show. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It's really lovely to chat to you both. Thank you, Alice. Uh, earlier in the show, David, I uh, said I spoke on behalf of our listeners, you know, wishing um, your little girl a speedy recovery. I'm now going to speak on your behalf and say I'm pretty sure you're loving the fact I don't sing you a song every week when we get to the mailbag. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just thinking I miss it now a little bit. <laughs> there you go. Absence <laughs> makes the heart grow fonder. I'll tell you what, maybe what I might just do is I might randomly just hit you with one just out of nowhere. So you won't know when it's Ooh, coming. Oh you won't know what it's going to be. Um, but, but we are, of course, nice. here at the mailbag. And this week's question was posted in our facebook group to indie authors uh we have a growing community so if you're listening to this podcast make sure you hop onto facebook and join us um we have a lot of members there's a lot of questions get asked a lot of tips get shared um shared between our listeners between our listeners between david and myself so definitely check it out there and laura arbrador I hope I pronounced that correctly. She posted a very interesting and quite a unique question on there saying, I don't think too many memoir writers hang out here, but I love the podcast and group. So I thought I'd ask, does anyone have advice about an introduction to a memoir? I'm trying to decide if I should do a brief summary of the main topics or just say something very general, or perhaps an introduction to a memoir is not necessary at all. I appreciate your thoughts so before i pass this over to you um i did uh, give laura uh, laura an answer on facebook in the group i actually dovetailed off a brilliant answer um by one of our listeners joshua dent who said if you're struggling to to under, like to come to a conclusion what you should do is go and check out the 10 like best-selling memoirs 
hopefully in your Great. in your genre or whatever um and see how in they the go about it and then i echoed that but then i also said that's that's a really good tip you could apply to pretty much the entire indie author business which is if you're wondering how i don't know how i do my mailing list or david does his mailing list or mark dawson does his mailing list or anyone the best way to find out is sign up right and then just go through their automation sequence hang about for a few months to see what they're posting out each month and then you can unsubscribe it's similar with marketing use a facebook ads library if you don't know how what your blurb should be like look at you know the top authors in your genre look at what their blurbs look like and go from there so i don't really have much more to add on this but i was interested to know what your thoughts um would be to that question cool well uh, it, it is a great question very uh specific question laura and i you know rob has echoed joshua's um sentiments and i echo robert's sentence <laughs> on that you, you cannot beat good research so researching mm-hmm. about 10 memoirs and saying how did they begin how did they get the reader into this story so um i'll answer how i did that laura because i've written a memoir i've written a well in a, a biography mm-hmm. of a, a famous sporting of person course. alex Ferguson. and what i would like to say laura is you don't need an introduction you don't need to explain what the book is about. That's the blurb on the back will do that for you. And it's a bit of a cheat to say this book is about because that's not great writing. Um, so what you could do is what I, I, I would if you were a student of mine, I would encourage you to just, you know, you've probably heard of in median res, which is starting a story in the middle. Mm-hmm. And so like Rob writes these great thrillers. And if he was to start a book in median res, he would start with the action that probably leads up to the big fight at the end start to that cuts back to the start and then we're going to build our way back up to that okay I've so if that. you're taking you've done that oh you have done that in a million times yeah. yeah great yeah it's a great use of storytelling um so you can do that in memoirs and i did that in the alec ferguson book so i didn't start alex ferguson's life off um by describing he was born in govan hospital in 1941 you know that starting him as a baby <laughs> once is, there is was not, a boy his name was once alex. There was a boy. <laughs> exactly exactly what would he go on to achieve so that's boring isn't that right mm-hmm. you're just telling me there's a baby born there's a baby born every minute so that is not unique storytelling so what did i do i opened my book in 2018 on a Saturday morning with Alec Ferguson stepping out of bed. He's bored. He steps out of bed, puts his feet into his slippers and bang, he collapses. He has a brain hemorrhage. And that that is how I'm hooking my readers yeah. in. I'm giving them the drama rather than, you know, going in chronological order of this is mm-hmm. a life story. Because uh, we don't want to know the, the one-year-old or the two-year-old. So, Laura, what is the most dramatic or hooky part of this life story that you're telling? open with it, hook the reader right in and then come back to it again at some point later in the story. Robert, it is time for the seven questions and we have a fantastic writer, multi-talented writer with us today, an author of great dystopian action uh, adventure thrillers. 
also an Emmy-nominated documentary filmmaker who has turned to fiction writing to pursue the truths that eluded him when making documentaries for National Geographic, for the BBC, <laughs> for the Smithsonian, for the PBS. Oh, wow. For Netflix. Yeah, we have a multi-talented writer, Richard Slater-Jones. Was Richard, thank you so much for giving us your time all the way from Rome this morning. Yeah, thanks, thanks, thanks for having me. It, 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 that was quite the introduction. <laughs> and, and I now need to live up to that, right? <laughs> you, now you got to live up to that. Now you do. Uh, so, Richard, are you, uh, could you tell me a little bit more about uh, your books you've written? Because they sound brilliant. Yeah. Um, so, so, basically, um, I, I I moved to Rome um, with my family uh, just over two years two years ago because uh, my partner got a role here so we we, we, we moved we, we moved out here from South Africa and I decided to, at the same time to dive into uh, fiction writing mm-hmm. rather than my career yeah, in, in, in documentary um, and I had already started a, a book that had a um, yeah, kind of dystopian future, but it was about a city bucking the trend of of the of the world, which was diving into dystopia. Um, and then when I moved here, that that city became Rome. Um, yeah, the book was in early enough stages to actually make 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 that about Rome. Um, and the, the book started with the world, yeah, and then the character developed, um, yeah, as I, as I, I wrote about him. But it's basically. Yeah, the, the the walls in Rome have gone up again in the near future. Um, the rest of the world is 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 pretty much disappearing right. into the into the metaverses. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, be, because everything, commerce and education and job opportunities, all migrated online basically. So uh, yeah, the, 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 it very quickly became. Um, yeah, a place where people spend literally all their time in the metaverse, and Rome backed the trend. But any yeah, and and walled itself off um, with this kind of visionary leader. But any um, any so-called benevolent dictator it, um, means that maybe this isn't quite utopia after all. Yeah, and and yeah. my my my, my character didn't doesn't start off as a revolutionary or or anything like that. He just wants to find out about his past. He has a blank with his childhood, but. In, in in pursuing this mission, he ends up making um, an enemy of the most powerful man in Rome, and basically accidentally becomes, you know, this character who is 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 fighting against everything that is that is happening. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's it. I, I'm not very good at summaries. I think I'm better at long form. But <laughs> oh, no, I think, I think you like, nailed that. It sounds yeah. like my cup of tea. I'll be perfectly yeah, honest. It sounds it, great. I mean, in hindsight, after writing the first three books, which are they, 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 yeah, they're not quite finished yet, but they're very close. And I'm, I'm handing it into my my editor in two weeks. All three of them, um, the, the first three in the series. But in hindsight, I'd say maybe it's a cross between Jason. Born and 1984 by George Orwell. Oh, lovely. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> oh, well, just, that's your blurb. You're as, sorted, you win. <laughs> as an elevator pitch, it's Jason Bourne meets 1984. I'm in. I'm, I'm in. in. <laughs> I'm in. I'm in. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I said, Richard, I mean, you're, I'm, it's right up my street. I love post apocalyptic 
kind of dystopian. I like unique takes on those. I think they're really, yeah. really good. Um, so I'll definitely, you know, definitely let me know when they're coming out because I'd definitely like to check them out. Um, sure. And I think yeah. what our listeners uh, would like to know is your answers to our seven questions. Um, so I'm going to kick off with the first one, uh, which is what is your favorite thing about being an independent author? The control. <laughs> I mean, I mean, actually, I, I mean, um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm only half joking. Yeah, I really, um, coming from a documentary film world, I actually really love um, the control. The control of, of, you know, over the narrative, over my crazy ideas, um, you know, over the language, the form, how I tell the stories. Yeah. Um, with um, I'm starting the freedom of 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 the storytelling um, yeah. in in write in in writing fiction, and it's it's without the restrictions that are imposed by layers and layers of execs. That is the world I I come from in in, in the world of film. Mm. Um, you know, with, with with film, basically, you know, you you have a great idea, but that only ever stays an idea until you get the three million dollar budget from Netflix or the thirteen million dollar from HBO or the, you know, whatever it is I'm working on at the time. And if 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 you don't get that, that film never happens, and it's just still an idea. Yeah. Whereas writing, I I I, I can write and have a product at the end of the day that is ready for market. Yeah. And and I'm really really mm-hmm. really enjoying 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 that. Um. And also the the lack of interference from execs. <laughs> I mean, you know, it, execs, execs are, are very valuable, but um, it's, it's, it's also incredibly, incredibly restricting. And I think, you know, a lot of the decisions being made by, by these big players, you know, in the film game, Netflix, you know, um, obviously the biggest, is it's becoming more and more like what cable television used to be which everyone railed against and and that is yeah you know a conservative um approach looking at where the advertising dollars are, are or, or or what the the mass subscribers want rather than pushing interesting stuff so i mm-hmm. i'm just i'm just happy to be to be in a world that's that that none of those restrictions restrictions really exist yeah because i think creators mm-hmm. need to make a stand against dumbing down, you know, for dumber and more distracted audience. I, I don't I don't believe you have to do that. Obviously there's a place for schlock, <laughs> but there's a massive audience for uh, <laughs> there's a massive audience out there and lots and lots of niche audiences as the indie publishing world has proven for different different stuff. It doesn't have to be one size but all, which is unfortunately the world that I came from um had 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 a lot of that. Yes, I mean, I'm actually we're like crossing here, Richard. I I've been um, an independent author for the past five years, now getting into TV, and I have to echo what you're saying there. The autonomy of being an author is so good. Mm-hmm. I, you know, all the characterization is me, the tone, the setting, it's all decided on this from this little bald head. Whereas my TV work, now that I'm getting executive producers involved and other voices in my head, I'm going, oh Jesus Christ! I mean. I, I'm realizing over the past couple of months, I am not a team player. I am much better off 
just me and a laptop. Um, because, yes, these gatekeepers that are involved in television, inevitably, we've managed to get rid of them, haven't we, in the literature world? I mean, they're still there in the traditional sense. Yeah. But we can um, just, we can go without them which is amazing. And and this sums up the two in the orders, actually, uh, Rob and I. Rob gets to ask a nice positive question, question one. I get to ask the negative one, question two, which is, <laughs> what is your least favourite thing about being an independent author? That actually um, is is the opposite of what you've said, what you like about <laughs> it. I, I miss the collaboration. Um, ah, interesting. Yeah, so, so um, you know, in, in, in making films, it, it's obviously an incredibly collaborative process. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. and and including with with the execs, I'm, I'm not saying yeah. You know, I mean, I've been in the in 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 executive kind of wearing hat wearing roles myself. You know, it's not it's, yeah. it's not all bad. You know, um, um, but you know, work, working with a with a with a with a film editor, you know, who who, who I'm constantly collaborating with, working with the DOPs in the field. Yeah, just there's always. There's always bounce back, you know, I, yeah. So even if, yeah, I, even as the director, yeah, and the producer, which was my my main role, I started off actually doing camera work, but preferred the directing and producing, you know, to keep a handle on story rather than the tech. Yeah, I can collaborate with the people who love the tech. Yeah, I can collaborate mm. with the, the editors who are amazing at, at at what they do. You know, and and I really miss that. I mean, yeah, you know, because I've been writing for quite a while now. Um, yeah, you know, because my, my 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 life hasn't allowed me uh, a, a very productive uh, writing schedule here. But um, <laughs> I, I it, it's yeah, it's something it's something I, I do. I do desperately much, and I'm really looking forward to getting my book into my editor's hands, my book editor's mm. hands now, in two weeks because, you know, I've I've I've, I've had some alpha readers uh, look at my book, which was fantastic just to be able to bounce something off somebody, and now the editor. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to that, but I desperately miss that very collaborative game that the formal yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's it's something. It's actually one of the reasons why David and I started this podcast was because <clears throat> David stresses quite a lot that you know one of the key words of being an independent author is the word independent. Like you're very isolated. You're very on your own. So we get this weekly opportunity to talk to each other, talk to our guests, and, and hear about them. But I mean, David, you even started editing books. To, to collaborate with other authors just to yeah. to work with people it's, it, it, I mean I'm going against what I said a second ago but the reason I started writing for television was for it to be a more collaborative um, process and experience because I was getting uh, quite isolated just writing the novels but yeah I mean some of the some of the notes some producers have had from me going, no. <laughs> no 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 and 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 it, and, it, and it's it's because i've had that autonomy for five years that i'm fighting i mean i really need to become more of a team player and to learn from uh, some of your notes there richard but yeah i mean i want i, I don't i don't hate people i actually do i am looking for collaborative um approaches for my work yeah, yeah absolutely and even your podcast i guess at least you guys get that you every week you're talking to each other mm-hmm. and to yeah. other people so so that's that's something that that i can see you know would would, would feed me it's just something something yeah. extra yes. in, in 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 the role of, other than just being in the silo writing for most of the time yeah Absolutely, exactly, yeah, and then yeah. you will, you know, we'll segue nicely there if you're writing most of the time. Um, obviously, when you can pull yourself away from the wonderful, uh, massive village that you live in, um, <laughs> number question number three is: is what is your writing routine? Okay, um, 
I, I mean, basically, I've um, I've got I've got uh, two little boys here in Rome. Um, I've got I've got a daughter in South Africa as well who who, who wants to finish school there. She's much older. Um, but the two little guys here, I I am the primary and almost mm-hmm. sole caregiver. Yeah, you know, so I'm here with my partner, but um, we um, living off. Um, living off her NGO salary, so we don't have childcare. So I um I'm I'm basically it. <laughs> so I spend I actually worked it out the other day, just, just out of curiosity. And I'm spending eight hours a day looking after the kids. Yeah. So so the only time I can I can write is when I at school or, or at mm-hmm. night. Um so that's what I do. Six thirty, I'm up and it basically I'm doing everything, um, getting the boys ready for school, walking them through the Aurelian walls <laughs> to school, um, nice. which blows my mind every time, even though I've been doing it for two years now. Um, yeah. You know, once I get back from, from dropping them at school and getting them ready, it, it, it's nine o'clock. So, so then I dive, I dive into the writing. By, by three, I have to start wrapping up because I need to go fetch them from school, take them to the extramural, you know, um, mm-hmm filming lessons theater school which is one of those wonderful things you can do in rome with amazing sessions like in the, in the theater half a block away <laughs> you know so, wow. so i mean it's a wonderful wonderful life but i feel very i, I feel like i'm I, i'm just getting into my creative flow and i need to stop and, and go deal with the kids again and then once once they're in bed right now i'm writing because i'm chasing deadlines and my partner's been helping out a bit but um Often by the time they're in bed, I'm I'm finished and at it and yeah. I can do admin but not writing. So yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. yeah. So it, it's it, you know it, it sounds like a lot if I'm writing every day when they're at school, but there's always curveballs. You know, as you know, if kids are sick. I'm home all day, and then it's very difficult to write with them. And you know, but but that's that's basically my my routine. I, I write when they're at school primarily, and at night when everyone's sleeping. <laughs> Great. Yeah, there's so many authors who, who love that twilight um, time for writing when, when the kids are asleep and, and, and it's dark outside. <laughs> just open up that laptop and, and, and let it yeah. breed. But um, we're very proud of you, Richard. You're doing an amazing job getting those three novels um, into your editor uh, soon whilst uh, juggling the kids and, and the new life in, in Rome. You're doing a great job. Um, you haven't quite published those books yet, but um, and question four asks, how do you market your books? Um, I guess we can ask in the uh, future tense, uh, how will you market your books? Have you thought about marketing? Yeah, so I, I, I mean, um, I, I, I haven't put in um, a huge amount of time into actually developing the author platform um, yet, uh, because I'm really just chasing my tail, trying to trying to trying to write these books. But I've put a lot of a lot of a lot of thought into it, and I've done um, I've done Mark Dawson's uh, Launchpad course. I've got his ads for yep. authors course ready, great um, to roll. I've kind of. You know, checked it out, but um, yeah, I'd rather dive into that a, a little bit closer to when I actually, actually, actually need to. I've spent um, quite a bit of time following Dave, David Galgren, you know, and, and his advice. So I've, I've, I've been doing a lot of the the kind of background work as to when I need to put on that mm. that, that marketing right. publishing hat. Love it. What is it? What is it going to be? Um, so I imagine um, I'm going to be. Primarily focusing on uh, Facebook with regards to 
where my advertising goes. I might try TikTok as a secondary platform just because I come from a visual background. You know, I would yeah. want yeah. either YouTube or TikTok, or maybe TikTok just because of its its momentum. Uh, I might try. Yeah. I might. I might kind of dive onto that. Um, and uh, it was actually from one of your podcasts uh, where I first heard about Reem, the, the the subscription guys. And I, oh, I, I yes. think I, I would. I, I would also plan to quite quickly try get into on the side, not as instead of um, um, everything else, but on the side get a get a subscription service going because I can mm. offer um, video. I mean, I live in the city that my character lives yeah. in, yeah, and a lot of the inspiration is round. And with my film background, yeah, right. I, I, I like I love the visual medium, so I, I can imagine you know having a building my my newsletter authors mailing this through through mostly text but maybe doing a ream model where they would get um mm. video video from me yeah something like that so i think it's all the usual that you use that, that you hear about um yeah that, yeah that, that's my plan but i don't have i mean i'm a corp online apart from what what my my film my film stuff yeah that i haven't really touched i i need i still need to do all of that but i haven't even had time to write a, a reader's magnet i'm just yeah, all to the wall writing the the three novels at the moment. But I think, I mean, you're coming <laughs> at it from the right way because uh, I'm a massive proponent of there's no point doing all that stuff if you don't have books to offer people in the first place. So having one no. book is great. Having a whole, like a trilogy or three books in this, in this series from the off is going to suit you well. But David and I are both alumni of the Launchpad course. I did it about five years ago when it was under a different name yeah. <laughs> changed my my entire author career around um it wasn't until i did that that i started seeing sales and building and building and learning what to focus on how to link it all together and stuff like that but i mean the idea i think the two things you've got nailed on there is um TikTok, because obviously you've got this visual background, you've got these skills that, you know, a lot of indie authors won't have, which is the visual, you know, how to build that. But also your genre of like a dystopia, sort of sci-fi dystopia world, that, that does mad stuff on TikTok. And you get um, yeah. really fervent fan bases of kind of new worlds or these types of things. You think of things like Hunger Games or Ready Player One and things like that. They get these mad fan bases, which yeah. really, we had the guys from Ream on and you know I mean? That these types of genres, you know, people want more. Right. They want more and more beyond the books. Um, and I think you'd be able, especially living in Rome, you'd be able to give that to them. So I think it's a really well thought out kind of marketing plan you have in place but i definitely agree with you um about getting the books done first because that's primarily what it's all going to hinge on right yeah i mean my yeah. only my only thing is that i'm worried about is i, I might i might feel like i will regret not having started to build a, an email list earlier because i haven't started mm. that yet and I, I actually to be honest i have no idea how to start that without a reader's magnet yeah and and i don't yeah. have a website app so i don't I don't know if I'm being stupid by not prioritizing that, but hopefully once my book's with an editor, then mm. I feel like the, the momentum of, you know, the, the light at the end of the tunnel is suddenly much closer. Yeah. Yeah. I am. Um, 
just just as a thing there about not having a reader magnet i know uh, authors I, I know i started out before i had a reader magnet i did like um news clippings of because i had like a sci-fi series news clippings of these sightings or these incidents happening and then i had like um almost like a detective pack that the police had on the main character who was quite suspicious so like every time he's been brought up in cases or this weird guy's been there and stuff and i offered that out as a reader magnet and i know there's authors who do character sheets or you can you can do smaller things it doesn't have to be a, a book obviously a reader magnet book is probably going to be the most you know luring for people but i think with your idea and the scope of it you'd probably be able to do some small you know nice things on canva or something like that that people can get but i think there's loads um but you just said there like you wish you'd sort of started that a little bit earlier so i don't know if that segues nicely into question five which is what's the one thing you know now that you wish you'd known from the outset right so i mean because i'm not at the marketing phase or publishing phase quite yet the, the one thing that really stands out to me is i would have um wanted to get my alpha readers involved earlier uh, mm. in the process and, and when i say alpha readers i know there's lots of different ways of looking at it so so when when, when i say alpha readers I'm, I'm using um the same kind of definitions that brandon sanderson uses and and the alpha readers are are other writers you know or, uh, or narrative um editors in the in the game yeah as opposed to mm-hmm. beach readers who who he yeah who who are readers you know checking checking a box so i think a lot of people say alpha readers are readers but in in my case my alpha readers are you know were four other writers one of one of them film filmmaker and and and, and three other writers and the feedback that i got was fantastic yeah it, it really and i've i've actually even though I was I was planning on getting my book edited very you almost at the same time, like the editor being one of the alpha readers, the editor um, I wanted wasn't available, so I delayed that, and I've used that opportunity to actually rewrite book one. <laughs> so ah. it's a, been a bit of a daunting task. I mean, it's it's it's, it's not com- you know, not completely new, but but so much has changed that 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 you know, there's a every chapter is changing in a dramatic way. Um, and that was from the alpha reader feedback. And I just feel if if I had sent out a much earlier draft to the alpha readers, as messy as that might have been, rather than trying to get it to the point where you know it's editor ready, um, I think it it would have um, basically um, speeded up speeded up the process of, of where I am now. Yeah, the feedback was so great. There's um. So I'm a massive fan of Rob McElhenney from obviously Always Sunny in Philadelphia and he now owns uh, Wrexham with, with Ryan Reynolds and he had a, a saying on their podcast which I've used on our one since which is get it far, get it wrong as quickly as possible because then you get more time to get it right and it sounds exactly right. what you're saying there is you wish you'd kind yeah. of got instead of trying to make it perfect from the off get it wrong quickly because then you could put it right quicker um but yeah, yeah. i think that's yeah. it's a, yeah. it's a good, yeah. good point about the to kind of alpha beta reader because i i i do have beta readers from my reading you know my readership but on my last 
book I did, I actually had a couple of other authors read it before it went out as well, which was a really nice process. And it's a bit more daunting as well, because my readers want to read my stuff, like give it, put my book in the hands of like other highly regarded established authors. I was like, oh, but the way they think I'm rubbish, <laughs> yeah. I'm a fraud. <laughs> I, know, I, I know what you mean, but it, 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 because it's a digital business, this independent authoring, it means that what always going to be chasing our tail we're always going to be learning it's not a case of oh i know it all now mm. i can get on with selling my books we will always be learning throughout the process and and that is a good we, we keep running into these segues and they bring us to question six um it's 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 new enough for you, Richard, this uh, independent author business. But I'm wondering, is there one service that you have used so far as an indie author that you could not do without? Yeah, I mean, given the stage of where I'm, I'm at, the, the, the obvious answer to that, which is not going to be my answer, but the, the obvious answer to that is, is Scrivener. Yeah, I I mean, I, I started in Word, um, very happy to write in Word, but since, since I've, I actually moved halfway through onto Scrivener, I've actually really enjoyed the platform just yeah for for being able to see the bigger picture a little bit easier um but i think you know not 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 knowing i mean i bought some software in anticipation of marketing but i haven't used any of it yet uh so 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 i can't really speak for that but i think in my case what might become very valuable to me which has been valuable in my past is uh premiere pro so adobe premiere pro which is video editing Ah, software I think, and talking to back back to what we were talking about before, is if I, I I'm offering back Ream subscribers uh, video, you know, I, I'll I'll be wanting to 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 edit those, you know, not not be making making amazing movies, but you know, just uh, you know, quick turnaround short films. I'm still going to need a great editing platform, and mm. and I've I've used yeah. Premiere Pro extensively in my professional. Life with, with you know with Mac Geo with the BBC with yeah it's not all avid Premiere Pro has become an, an amazing um, tool so mm. I would say that would probably be my answer if if I was to guess <laughs> looking forward yeah good answers I think it's, it's 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 true though and I don't want to brag Richard but if you were to go onto our Instagram and look at the small little videos of our episodes I do those on Premiere Pro that's right I know how to do a, <laughs> yeah, a, a swipe a swipe transition and a zoom in um, but, hey, but he, hey he hasn't been Emmy nominated yet no not yet not yet I'm, not I'm, yet yeah 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 I'm, I'm, I'll be there soon one day. But no, I, I actually think, again, we, we always talk about um, if you've got skills that you've had from other walks of your life and other careers that can give you an edge in your independent author business. So like for me, mine is I was a data analyst. So David will tell you now, I, I mapped out where I'd be now about three years ago based on data, um, which right. sounds really boring, but... Yeah, it, it was it was a skill I had. David was a, yeah. a, a creative writing lecturer, so when it comes to the prose and all that, he's a he's yeah. a wordsmith. So the fact that you're this you know an Emmy nominated um, director and you want to do video content for your readers, it means your video content's going to you know shit all over most people's video content, yeah. and it'll put you and it'll make it'll be noticeable as well. So, I mean, yeah, good. Yeah. I wish you all the best with that, and I will be checking it out because, like I said. The idea sounds yeah. fantastic. Um, this interview has been absolutely uh, wonderful, Richard. Um, and it's I think it's the first time we've spoke to someone who actually hasn't got a book actually available at the moment. So it's been really fascinating to hear your thought process kind of going into the career you're about to go into. Um, 
So thank you for all your honesty. And last question really is, is if you could pass on one nugget of advice to our listeners, what would it be? Yeah, again, because I'm in the early phases of this, I'm, I'm not really in a, in a great position to offer advice, I would say. But drawing also from my past life <laughs> as, a, as a filmmaker, <laughs> um, I would say work with great people. You know, find like really great editors, people who know what they're doing, smart, insightful, alpha readers, um, you know, top of their game cover designers. I, I, I just think, and again, it comes back to that collaboration thing. I think if you if you if you're going to need to collaborate with people, which you do, you know, even when you're writing books <laughs> with your editors and your cover designers, and just work with the the best people in the game, yeah, you know, if you can. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, because in my view, good enough is never good enough. Yeah, I always want to. Yeah. I always want to push push something to make the best thing I can. And that's it's it's it's. I mean, that's not the same as perfectionism, which I think can be a, a problem with writing. Yeah, you because know, then you just never yeah. finish. <laughs> but I, yeah, yeah that, that's. I, I guess if I was to offer advice, which again I not feel I'm in the position to do that. That's what I would say. Is just just find really strong, great people to work with because there are a shit ton of people out there and not all of them are great <laughs> from, from a That's... you know from a professional um point of view and what they can offer yeah you can spend a lot of money i think lifting a game a bit whereas i think i think it needs to be be more than that you're so right richard yeah. um i'm six years now as an independent author and if i was asked for one nugget of advice that's the exact advice i always give you need to um be as professional as you can be when it comes to hiring editors and book cover designers and just make sure that you're collaborating with the best people that can really help your book shine absolutely um what a, what a, what a half an hour in your company um critically acclaimed filmmaker soon to be best-selling author richard slater jones thank you so so much for giving us your time this morning thank you guys it's been fantastic to chat And David, we wax lyrical about having a wonderful independent author on the show every week. Uh, This week we were spoiled. We had two. And then we also had two subpar ones in myself and yourself. Um, (laughs) But no, I mean, it was wonderful, A, to be joined by Alice. She is an absolute uh, pleasure to talk to. And she's um, so inspiring. Um, with, yeah. with stuff she's I, telling I us. I listen to her all day. Yeah, and also Richard came on. Brilliant answers to the seven questions, and uh, yeah. I mean, I wish I was sat in Italy right now. <laughs> it will be nice instead of looking after our sick children, huh? Mm, yeah, absolutely. So um, wonderful to have them on. And if people do want to uh, join us for the seven questions, David, how can they get in touch? It is quite simple. Um, you can log on to uh, twoindyauthors.com. Co.uk. Oh, shit. <laughs> I knew I was getting that wrong. There was a question mark in my .com there. Log on to twoindyauthors.co.uk and you will see a form on that website. Or alternatively, you can hop onto our Facebook page, which is Two Indie Authors, and the form uh, to fill out to enter the seven questions is pinned at the very end top i would also encourage you uh, dear listener if you have any questions at all about your indie author business uh, do send it in to us by email or on our facebook page and we will answer it 
song free uh-huh. uh, in the mailbag section uh, as soon as we can. That brings us to the end of 64. Um, Rob, before we meet up to record episode 65 next mm. week, uh, what is your plans here in the auto business over the next seven days? So I'm kind of riding a nice little wave off of the back of a book launch. Um, so I'm kind of sitting doing some plotting doing getting just a load of ducks in a row bit of admin stuff like that um with a full my plan is to have basically a full book plot plan like all planned out ready to go from the beginning of next month um oh so my idea now is february's just going to be committed to writing so it's going to be quite a nice next like week and a half or so um but you know beyond that nothing too major i don't think what about yourself I'm a little bit jealous. It's my favourite part of the process is the process you're mm. in where you're plotting, you know, the creative, the brain is running. Um, I'm halfway through a novella that I'm, I'm going to continue playing on through over the next week. Uh, we're also coming towards the end of a month, so I've got my newsletter to do. I'd like that to drop yep. on the 1st. I'd have to go out on the 1st of February. Uh, so a I bit of it because of you. Oh, are, you back, are you on top of it now? I am, yeah. I really got back on top of oh, it great. about four, four or five months ago because of you. I now do like a, a monthly one and I, I schedule it oh, in and, and I have monthly, sec- I have like regular sections and stuff and I get more uh, open rates and click rates now. Oh, it's all improving. Great. Well, do you know what? Um, I'm thinking of making mine a bi-monthly newsletter. It's been playing in my head. I'm mm. not sure. But um, another, uh, let's have a discussion about that as a main talking point. Mm. Newsletters, how we've improved it over the last year or two and, and how we go about that. Because that is that is something that we sort of encourage from our listeners because we're owning that data. It's key. You know, we own, it's key. It is key. So so we, we'll go into that in, um, in, in detail. But yeah, I've got one coming. I've got one going out next week. I'm happy to share that maybe on our... Um, um, to in the author's Facebook page just to show what my layout um, looks like and how I separate the the newsletter into different sections a bit like our podcast mm-hmm. it's a fe- oh, feature magazine so yeah I've got to look forward over the next week um, and I look forward to seeing how you get on too you're, with all that creativity so I'll talk to you for episode 65 <laughs> Dum 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 d